Yo fam, Coach Sam from Strong Gens Coaching back with another episode for you guys. And on today's episode, I got another special guest. His name is Dr. Chris Rochella. But before we get into it, gents, if you could please leave a five-star review, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm trying to grow this podcast to reach as many men as possible, and it takes a tribe. So thank you for the love and support. We're going to be going over a lot of information on this podcast today. Dr. Chris is a doctor of chiropractics. Dr. Chris, what's happening, brother? My man, Coach Sam. Thank you for having me on, brother. Absolutely, man. I wanted to ask you right off the jump. Um, you know, we went to high school together, and uh, we grew up with each other. Um, you know, you were always into sports and athletics. What drove you, though, down the path of becoming a doctor, man? You're one of the few in our, like, crew over here becoming a doctor. So give me the breakdown. Oh, Sam, it's pretty funny, man, how you and I have always been involved in one way or another with one with each other. When I was working in my first chiro offices, you were like one of the patients there. And then obviously going through high school and everything and always getting to like talk to you and getting to like understand where we were on life. And this always we're always on the same page. And that was always the coolest thing. It's pretty cool to see it come full circle. So true. Right. It really yeah, is so true. Now that you say that all like three years at Health Fusion Wellness. Remember that? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. 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 You start. Dr. DeMarco was definitely probably my biggest influence in getting into chiropractic just because the way he was able to speak to patients and talk to them about their health in a way I've never heard doctors talk about before. Like coming with your full potential and coming in for a bigger reason than just my neck, my back hurts. Like maximizing your human potential, maximizing what you can contribute to this world. Like for me, I'm like, that's healing. Like, that's being a doctor right there. You know? I feel like my heart was hungry for that kind of thing when I found it. I feel like, you know, when I was younger, I definitely, in my younger years, I definitely lived a more selfish kind of lifestyle. And we all know, like, the best form of expression for that is service to others, right? Eventually, you find your path that way when you're when you're ready to give up all your old ways and like, again, maximize your potential. Who are you really as a person? And I think most people land on servitude. So I knew I wanted to help people, but then meeting Dr. DeMarco and, and seeing like what a chiropractor can do in this way, man, that was the gift. And I was sold ever since for chiropractic. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so he's he's great. Um, I I'm not sure where he is right. He moved to I believe Arizona, correct? Yeah, he's in Arizona right now. Yeah, yeah, he's great guy, awesome guy, very intelligent. Um, when you were working there at his uh his clinic there, what was your main role? Man, I did everything there. Uh, I didn't really get into too much of like the admin stuff. Our our good buddy Jason was on more of that stuff, but I was handling everything to do with the patients. We did. Everything from cryotherapy to I was ha hands on with all patient exercises, you know, Dr. DeMarco definitely like gave me a lot of responsibility and trusted me a lot speaking to patients and interacting with patients at a very young age. And man, I took to that so much. I loved being hands on with people and I loved having a hand in their therapy and getting to communicate with other doctors and other people who cared about this kind of thing, people like you who'd come in, you know, who always been trainers and had their hands on people in real life too. It was like such a beautiful 
expression of this hunger again that I had inside of me, you know? Yeah. It's one of those wild things you, you actually just mentioned it earlier. You said, you know, you were a little selfish, um, in your earlier years and then now you're, you're doing acts of service. And, um, I went through a period of time of, of negative selfishness and, uh, where I was kind of just like accepting, uh, the invitation for some vices and some bad choices, you know, which we all do. We all make mistakes, especially when we're going through hard times, it's easier to do that, at least in my experience. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but now I'm experiencing more selfishness in the ability to say no to people more often because I'm choosing to try and stay on a path of actually giving a service. And I and I am a better service to other people. I, I want to know your opinion on this. When you're a little bit more selfish in life by prioritizing your health, you know, your fitness, so on and so forth. So what do you think about that concept? Have you fallen into that? Do you think of it's not necessarily being less selfish, but maybe just a selfishness in another direction is that kind of yes absolutely man this is full this is full circle when it comes to just being a human being when we're younger and we're living in this selfish manner we're trying to feed a need that we never got when we were younger maybe it's coming from a place of abandonment or so many so many possible origin stories of why we have this like manifest you know, within us to be selfish and to take and to take and to take and to take. And eventually, if you live your life looking for, you know, filling those needs, repairing those imprints of trauma that you have on yourself, you get to this place in your life that you feel so good. And not only do you feel good, but everybody who interacts with you feels good. And you will not want to give that feeling up for anybody. And so here is where the positive selfishness comes into place. Because like you said, I'm not willing to give this sensation up for anybody. And so you learn to be selfish with your energy. Yes. With Fact. your time. Right? Fact. Yes. Time, energy, and resources. I say it all yeah. the time. I'm like, yeah. I'm more selfish now in those realms. Yeah. Um, and the reason I do that is because I'm trying to be a better service and I know I am when I prioritize those three things, but like you had just touched upon, you know, we do hold on to some of those traumas and some of those experiences. And that's something that you are really into and knowledgeable on, um, in that realm of, let's say not necessarily chiropractics, but that holistic, holistic health approach. So, um, what do you have to say about that? Because I just feel like right now in today's world, people are holding on to a lot of emotional stress in the body, in the mind, so on and so forth. So um, what's what's been your experience so far, your motivation, and um, just your thoughts on this holding on to that emotional trauma in the body and in the mind? And what, what was yeah. so interesting for you about it? What I found so interesting about this and this whole journey, really, of getting into more of the emotional learning is that the more I tried, you know, to help this in other people, it needed to start with me. So the evolution of, you know, what got me into this is because I was just doing this work on myself, trying to understand where my selfish parts were coming from, where my, you know, emotional traumas like set me on the path to, like you said, choosing not the healthiest of coping mechanisms, whatever it might have been. And then you get to a point where, where you're making all the right decisions and it's affecting all your relationships in a positive way. And you're learning, if it doesn't fill my cup, 
right? We know this expression. Energetically, what you choose in life, the people you choose, they need their interactions need to also equally transfer energy back to you. Uh, an equal conversation should feel like I'm not exhausted by the end of it. We've equally gotten from one another. When too much is taken out of your cup, you feel depleted and drained, right? Big Lord of the Rings reference, like too much butter spread over too much bread, right? You, you're spread thin. So it's it's this, it's this journey. It's understanding your your imprints, your traumas. It's understanding what they're doing to keep their control on your life. Understanding what they are, what they have to say. No longer suppressing them. No longer giving in to our reactionary behaviors. Right? And then leading from a place of authenticity where we can make a true difference in our lives and in other people's lives. When you do this, you can truly act for others from a place of love because you've accomplished this for yourself. So this manifests in a lot of different ways, positive behavioral changes with others and interactions with others, but also you see physical things change within you. Your pain is less, your strength is greater in every imaginable way, muscular strength, internal strength you your true power begins to come out less affected by this emotional history and this is why like you said this is the holistic approach it's not just what are you here to to fix it's what are you willing to witness that's that's a big big perspective right there um i find that true a couple things you said there uh, talking about, you know, needing to keep your cup full or being careful on if you empty it too fast. You know, we all have those experiences. I mean, you worked with 4,000 patients this past year, correct? Dude, it's so crazy, man. I've been out of school for a little over a year and we get monthly reports and I, I'm blessed to have gone over 4,000 patient visits. Unbelievable. Nuts. First of all, congrats. Thanks, and, man. And crazy. Also, uh, just my experience, you know, over a decade as a personal trainer working one on one. I mean, I've done well over 15,000 hours of personal training. right? So you're right. When when you get a client, just speaking from perspective here to kind of validate, you know, validate your point. When you get a client um, who is not in the same wavelength as you uh, and you're with them for an hour at the end of that session, you are drained. It feels like you work 12 hours. But when you have a client who's on the same wavelength as you. Uh, and you're just connecting both on, you know, a professional level and on, uh, you know, just a friend level. That hour feels like it was like 15 minutes. And you're like, whoa, wait, like that's over already. And I saw that start to transfer and apply to just everyday relationships. And then I realized also kind of alluding to what you said is um, when I was myself in a more negative place, not coming from let's use the word love because I like that, not coming from a place of love, I was more drained in general, like you were saying. Uh, and you're right. It takes a lot of work. And, um, and, and like you said, witnessing, because a lot of people just try to avoid their pain. So I want to ask you, where do you recommend people start? You know, Because a lot of people walking around, 
they're not even aware that they're holding on to stuff. It's just their regular life, you know? So what maybe sparked it with you where you're like, whoa, I'm hiding from this stuff. And if I start to address it, I could change my life. And what do you recommend other people come in and say, ooh, my neck hurts, you know? Um, you're like, hey, maybe it's deeper than that. Mm -hmm. We have to invite curiosity in this life. We have to want to know what am I capable of? Because truly, if somebody has zero interest in this thing, it doesn't matter how much we, we might know what's better for them. Right? You know the expression, we can lead the horse to water. They have to be, to some degree, willing to accept there's something deeper. And be interested in learning what that might be. You know, I think now in today's age, we have this beautiful availability of information online and it's very hard to hide from the fact that what you go through your emotional life it's very hard to hide from the fact that it can affect everything from your physicality to your organ function all of these things so i think if you can just meet with somebody who can point who who their goal is to help you maximize your potential, that is the idea. Somebody who's maybe not looking to push, uh, you know, a medicine necessarily or a supplement, somebody who's just looking to hear your story. That's it. Start with a little bit of trust. First for yourself and first for another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to find the right person in, in yes. that, you know, um, this is this is an interesting topic. Now you talk about that is uh, in, in today's society. You know, we're talking a lot about holding on to emotional stress in the body, and it's just uh, this funky thing where in today's society, um, most of therapy is done through talk therapy, and then the um, the route most people go down is medicinal, like you had said, pharmaceutical medicines. Uh, and I think what we need to do is get back to what you're doing, where it's. Oh, that might be great. Let's do the talk therapy. It helps. It's been shown to help, you know, cognitive behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, let's get back to the root problem. And um, I want to talk to you about, you know, releasing some of those traumas. You had just went through a crazy experience at a bioenergetic retreat. And um, that was in a stage where you had already accomplished a great amount and fought some of your demons already. So what was that experience like? And, have you experienced before going to regular traditional therapy? And if you have, what was the difference between going through that bodily physical therapy versus that, you know, only mental talk therapy? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to start with some of my like therapy background, what I've done personally for myself and my, in my own healing. Definitely. Uh, talk therapy has been a very, very good thing for me in my life because I just I came from a generation that didn't really do this kind of stuff. So it wasn't commonplace to, you know, have your emotions like very detailed and described to you about like oh you're feeling this because of that that kind of thing. So I needed the education. And I got a lot of education from my talk therapist. Right? This is called the coping mechanism. <laughs> You know, this is a reactionary behavior. And you're like, oh, okay. And so it's really good because you could do behavioral modifications to like, to really help those kinds of things. 
as the years go on, though, I still find myself falling into very similar trends. And it's because it felt like something was coming from within to cause the reaction. And years later, and bring it up to very recently, I find these modalities that actually address this very phenomenon, which is because it is, what you're going through is far more than just your logical mind. The energetic body and the logical mind, the physical body, they're all existing at the same time. And so no therapeutic modality should exist that separates them. They need to be treated together. So we call this somatic experiencing. Experiencing what the soma, what the body has to say. And there are some beautiful modalities out there that are dealing with this exact thing. Um, working on the energy of the body is one beautiful thing, but truly just letting the body say what it is that it has to say and bring up repressed and suppressed emotions to be released. And this is something I've been working, my partner and I have been working together on this exact modality for about a year now, and we just completed uh, a 10-day intensive in-person retreat in the jungle of Mexico together uh, for it. So badass. Oh, man. It was the most intense experience of my life, but also the most playful. It was one of the most frightening experiences of my life, but also one of the most illuminating. Amazing. And I learned to trust myself in a way that I never thought was possible because I truly, for the first time, allowed my body to say what it is that it had to say. Because this is the most common thing this world struggles with is expression, especially us men. Being able to express what it is that we're feeling because we are the protectors. We need to be solid, sturdy, and invincible. And we can be, but that doesn't mean we have to neglect what it is that that is true within us. So this is what this retreat definitely challenged, challenged me to my core to do. It's unbelievable, man. Really like the fact that you guys took that jump. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, to go into the jungle, not knowing anybody besides you two and just yeah. trust having to put your trust into these people you've never met and, and do all these exercises and spend solitude probably i'm guessing there was times of solitude where there was no noise yeah. nothing, no phones things like that i mean it's a yeah. huge experience like that's that's something i'd be super interested in doing so the next time you let me know if you're gonna do it again because yeah brother. i might fly out with you man i mean yeah. but dive in dive in pretty deep so what was the so the talk therapy helped helped you right and as a chiropractor you know that talking with your your patients helps you get a better understanding of what is actually going on and it also probably illuminates to them you explaining things gives them oh that makes sense um what was the difference now between that talking version of therapy which can be both both mental and physical like you know depending on where you are um and then the actual emotional stuff and what did you guys do and now what are you going to do with your patients so I'll go in order of everything you asked. The difference between talk therapy and what emotional somatic experiencing is, 
is that nothing is really coming from me as the therapist. This is you. This is your truth. This is what is within you. And it is no input from me. I am holding space for you to witness what is within. This is why somatic experiencing can exceed the benefit of talk therapy by a decade in just a couple of hours. That's wild. Because I don't have to convince you that what you're experiencing is guilt or shame. I don't have to backtrack through decades of experiences that you had to find your initial emotional imprint, your core wound. We can do this in an hour. And what did that entail um, to bring that out? What did you guys end up doing? Right. So something I want to make very clear is that this is a, this is a sober modality. In its essence. So for everybody saying, oh, this guy went to an ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> That's like, great. Like, yeah, all those things are amazing and beautiful and helpful and will will change the world. There's there's no, definitely a place for those things for sure. No so, doubt. For sure. No doubt. But what I want to make very clear is that there are modalities out there that with a sober mind and body, you can achieve very, very similar if not exactly the same contemplation and outcome as you can with a with a seat with a heavy ayahuasca trip this is this is just letting truly the body let out what is ha what has happened and what did that entail for for that retreat yeah so what so the modality that i'm studying is called neo-emotional release and what it is, is it's, again, a somatic experiencing that uses various techniques from uh, hypnosis, like breath work and verbal guidance and visual cueing and all that to bring the, the person, to bring us into a state of safety where you, all your defenses are dropped. A state of trust. A state of trust mostly for me as the person looking over you and also for yourself that whatever you're experiencing is true and then we use music and fascia manipulation which is fascia for those of us who, who are not familiar is a connective tissue intertwining everything within the body it wraps neural tissue it wraps muscular tissue surrounds organ tissue your abdominal everything is connected by this this fashion network. We use manipulative techniques to activate that tissue so that the frequency those tissues are holding can be brought to life, activated. And so what you're what is within can be brought to the surface and addressed. So that that is the modality itself and how that works. The way we were trained to use it. Thank goodness we had 10 days to do it because we got to experience it so many times, but in so much depth and focus on nothing but, but this, because as we know, a very common form of escapism is going on your cell phone or going to the bar. We didn't have any of those things. Video no games, Netflix, bar, cell phone. Yeah, right? absolutely. So no cell phone, 10 days, uh, we were in the retreat all together in the middle of the jungle, 10 days, 
whoever you were with, were, those were your brothers and sisters. And so you were just, you were just submerged in, into this life for 10 days to truly get the work done and become a provider of this modality. And so we got to do this modality in truly blessed and sacred ground. You can feel it, it, there was no safer place on earth for the, for this. It would feel like unbelievable. You felt like you were truly cradled by the earth and she was watching you develop into the man you're supposed to be. It's cool. It's crazy because, um, you know, it for a lot of people listening to this, you know, they're like, oh, man, Chris went to the woods, the jungle for like, 10 <laughs> it's like this dude's crazy. But I'm going to be honest, when we were kids, like my favorite thing to do was go spend 15 hours in the woods. And it's like we lost that connection. So I feel like being able to go back. And the funny thing is, is a lot of people, you know, they say, oh, when you're younger, you always get sick. But it's like, oh, you might get a cold or something. But a lot of young people in our generation we weren't sick like the kids are today. And I actually think it has a lot to do with the bacteria in the dirt and the trees that we were roaming, rolling around in. And you don't see that a lot today. And now the kids nowadays, you know, I have a lot of younger clients. You have a lot of younger patients probably um, allergic to everything, always having a problem. And so I just think, you know, the, getting back to that, you know, you're in the woods. Like you guys were probably laying on the dirt or at least like feeding the grass and, and reconnecting ground in yourself. Um, did you feel I'm interested because I'm to be honest, I go about every single day of life. You know, I'm on <laughs> fucking pavement all day long and rubber floors. You know, how did you feel yeah. being out there and just being in the jungle, man? Like like you said, man, it, it reconnects you to this childish love for being outside, being with nature, having nothing else to do but enjoy yourself. And like you said. Just being being in touch with some ground for the first time in a long time felt incredible. Mind you, I came from snowy Maine at this time to hot Mexican jungle. That's crazy. So that felt that felt incredible. The sun for the first time in like months. the sun on my skin, man. Uh, my for those of you who can't see me, my skin tone is not. Yeah, you're looking this, great. Thanks, bro. This latitude is not is is not supportive of, of my dark complexion. It's great. It's freaking great. Um, but get a little sun on you. You feel fantastic. And after my first session, I felt called to just like after I received my first session and I saw what I saw and felt what I felt, I needed to go put my feet in the dirt. Isn't that nuts? So oh my God. every year, man, um, it's coming up. I'm going to go to the beach. And uh, I always, you know, when you take a sh your shoes off and put your, your feet in the sand, it, it feels weird. You know, it's so crazy. It's like that's supposed to feel normal. Same thing. It's about to be nice. I'm going to go do, you know, some stuff in the grass at the football field. It's like that used to be normal. But now my feet are like, that's crazy. It's like, like yeah. what's going on? It's yeah. nuts. So I think that's that's super cool. What are you going to do now that you've taken that experience with your patients? How do you think that's going to impact? Because you're Cairo. So at the root of chiropractic, people are coming to you, even if they don't know you do this stuff. Like, oh, you got to go see Dr. Chris amazing um they're coming to you for neck pain joint pain whatever the case may be they're expecting yeah. a normal modality an adjustment some you know soft tissue work and exercises um what are you going to now implement going forward because i think implementing that into a profession is incredible and i'm just i'm curious as a health and fitness professional you know like what's your plan of action and like what do you expect how much of it do you expect to implement with your patients yeah 
one day people I'm manifesting this right now. One day people will, will come to me for both. I love that. Right now I am offering and providing traditional chiropractic. I do my adjustments. I do a lot of soft tissue and stretching pressure points, all these great things, various modalities. I do uh, instrument assisted therapies, all the stuff you might expect from like a really detailed chiropractic visit. I do all of that. Right now, the way I'm incorporating this emotional release modality into my visits is by just being an authentic person to everybody I meet. Amazing. I freaking love that. Holding holding a space for my for the person who comes into my office where they see they they feel validated and heard and they trust me that what I'm telling them they need to do is because of is for their best interest. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. One day I when I when it when it is my own facility they will come to me for full emotional release sessions with chiropractic with some other modalities that I'm very interested in. And, but for today I'm practicing just being a beautiful human being and loving people. The, the truth behind how powerful that is, is insane. Um, in my earlier, I'll, I'll speak on myself real quick, just cause it relates in my earlier personal training career. I was so focused on being like, like I wanted people to think I was the best trainer. So I would try and talk, and then tell them everything I know and like impress them. Um, and yeah, I had clients, people liked me cause I'm just a personable dude, but I never built those deep relationships. And it wasn't until I made the switch about four or five years into personal training where I shut the fuck up. Right. And I just let them talk and actually listen to what they were saying. And they were like, wow, you listen to me more than my doctor does. You listen to me more than my spouse does. And I was able to create better plans and get people better results by just listening. And what that took for me was a, I needed to break down my ego, which is something that, that I wanted to talk to you about with, you know, um, because I think going to a retreat in the jungle um, is something that's vulnerable. Like you had to take down an ego of yourself and how is, how has that helped you in your, you know, career as a chiropractor you know um you know because as a doctor you, you that gives you a new ego and you can speak on that like you get that license as a doctor how have you been able to pull back and and see people as another human being and go to these retreats and stuff i'm interested because i have my own struggles with that yeah so whenever you're taking care of anybody you need to have no ego about you Especially, I think, you know, personal trainer, I think they might expect a younger person for a doctor. I think they're expecting an, an old, older fellow most times, especially where, I mean, I, I maybe should say this from, from where I'm currently working. I see, I see a lot of older, my clientele is mostly older people, uh, twice my age, mostly. And so when they see me walk in the room and I say, hi, I'm Dr. Rochella. Most times I get to look like, what does this guy know? How many times could he have been the, been around the block? And the answer is not many, but my path around the block was not easy. So just learning how to see, I know what you're feeling right now. And I know that you're not going to feel this way after we're done speaking. 
is how I let a lot of that pressure out of the situation with needing to meet an expectation for them. Because I know if I'm just myself, truly to, to who I am as, as like a, as a human being down to my core, whatever they're expecting will be exceeded. I, I've, I truly, truly know and believe that in my heart. So when it comes to the patient, that's how I, that's how I handle that kind of thing differently than I, I might've in the past. Like you said, I would have unloaded my, the entire knowledge bank that I have to, to show them what I know. Right. But instead I will show you what I'm willing to hear. And that's, that's the different thing that they don't get from other people, other doctors, other trainers, nobody. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Professionally, like in the, so behind the scenes, you know, this too, from having staff, there's a, there's a lot that you have to do behind the scenes that isn't like doctoring a lot of like office politics, that kind of thing. And if you let your ego get it, get the best of you in that situation as well, you're going to have a bad office dynamic. Back. So, right. So learning how to drop the ego in that situation and listen to your coworkers, you'll have the same effect. You'll have this, the benefit to cost ratio. Having an ego about you when it comes to arguing with your coworkers is not worth it. No, not at all. And, and yeah. also like um, from experience in the past, and you might be able to attest to this also when you're dealing with a, a client for me, a patient for you, um, and you are so set in stone on your way, sometimes that causes a bump in heads and there's no progress. Sometimes you have to, and it sounds a little messed up to the people listening, but it is true. At least I found it myself. And I think we have to do this in our own lives as well in subtle manners. Sometimes you actually have to manipulate the person, okay, to get them to see what you're trying to say without coming off in a way that they take as disrespect or, or overly aggressive, wherever the case may be. And I think sometimes we also have to manipulate ourselves. Um, do you, have you had some experience with that where like you had to like drop your ego, say, okay, I got to accept this loss real quick. Like they're not freaking understand what I'm saying. Let me kind of shape it, act a little bit until they see what I'm saying. And, and do you think that in our own lives, we put these facades up and sometimes we would do ourselves a service by, um, at least faking it till we make it type of thing. So I don't know if I want to use the word manipulate them into doing anything because we, we can do that. Right. Absolutely. Very, very, very easily. But I think that just comes from the ego as well Is I want to make you think and feel a certain way. So here's what I'm going to do to accomplish that. And they get that done in every other doctor and trainer that they visit. Yep. Instead, what I'm thinking is less of how do I want to make you feel versus what are you willing to feel in this moment? And I'm going to let you walk into that yourself. Got it. I might ask some thought provoking questions or. But that's not manipulating, I don't think. You know, I might ask you to, to, to look at things a certain way, but I'm not saying, oh, you do this because of that. I want to see how much you can uncover by just. Letting me mirror you. I'm going to mirror you. What you're saying back at me, I'm going to mirror in such a way that you're just hearing back what you just said. And for most people, that sparks a lot of things within to start coming up. 
Yeah. Would, would you do you think that that's manipulating still? I it, I think it, it is, but it's not malicious. Like in my intent, mm. it's not malicious. I think manipulation happens across the board with whatever you're doing because someone is coming to you for a problem, and in order for you to get them the result they're looking for, they have to manipulate their own lives. So whether it's by an external force or an internal force, I think there is some form of manipulation to the variables. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes you might know, like as a professional, what could work. Like we never actually know for a fact what will work, but we have a good hypothesis of what may work. And if someone is so uh, on the other side of that, they're not willing to do it. I think a nudge, like, kind of like what you were saying, it's more of getting them to do it themselves, you know, like ask questions for them to be like, damn, you know, he's right. Like, maybe he's right. Like, I'll give you an example. This is funny because it happened today. Um, one of my clients came in and we haven't talked food in like four weeks because they were just like, I can't do it. It's too stressful. I'm not tracking. I don't care. Like, I don't give crap about looking good for the summer. And so they were quiet. I was like, listen, if you just want to train, we can train, right? And they came in like uh, today and it was probably four or five weeks since we had last talked food and they were like, man, I didn't know how tracking your food could be like so effective. Like I'm down three pounds and I'm like, I'm like yo dog, we just had this conversation like five weeks ago, but they had to bring themselves there. But even that conversation manipulated something in their life to get them to do it. So I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like a bad thing, but you know. Yeah, I like this definition a lot better that we've really defined what we mean by manipulation. I think so. And like, like you said, yeah. a lot of people do manipulate on, like I have a lot of experience in the medical world, like as a patient, um, I have Elhurst Danlos syndrome. Uh, there's 14 different variations uh, and it's called the invisible disease because it takes so long to get diagnosed. Um, and so going from doctor to doctor, you know, a lot of these doctors hold kind of like what you were saying. They don't listen to the patient. They just say, this is, it's like, no, either it was, dude, it's a weird concept, man. And I don't know if this was like when you were in Cairo school, you kind of noticed some of this stuff, but it was um, a lot of these doctors seem to, if they didn't know what was wrong, it, was, it wasn't because they didn't know the answer. It was because they thought it was in your head. And although sometimes that may be true, I don't know if that's always true. Did you find anything like that in Cairo school? Where it was like, the, the professor was like, this is it. And like nothing else. And now you're out experiencing stuff and you're like, oh. yeah, wait, what? Yeah, no, I think we were taught really well on how to keep an open mind about things and never be too set on one, you know, diagnosis or opinion. No, because we create a differential diagnosis. That's what we're, we're trained to do. Like, this is my number one idea and I'm going to treat you based on that number one idea, but I'm going to try to have no ego about me that if in, you know, a given time, it's not getting better, we're going to explore option two. Or we're going to change up the protocol for how we treat option one. Got it. You know? Yeah, but I've seen it be really bad when somebody does, you know, somebody might diagnose correctly, but they have the same tool, no matter what it is. That's which, which we get, we, you get a lot of that in, in, well, every discipline of medicine. Uh, you can see it most most obviously in chiropractic. It's the same adjustment, same stretch, no matter what's going on. You know, same exercises, no matter what the problem is, you know, that may or may not work, but they're billable, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so, so, yeah. 
you know, so you, you have that and then you have the same diagnosis, the same symptoms popping up. And this is in the allopathic world, same diagnose, same symptoms popping up. So you give the same medicines and, you know, they don't work, but they are the best things that they have. And, you know, so it's very, very few and far between. Do we read between the lines of symptoms and diagnoses? So you what know. can what can people do? Like there's going to be some people listening to this podcast who are struggling with joint pain or some some ailment that, you know, maybe doctors haven't pinpointed. And and what do you think that they should do when going to a visit, you know, as a professional? You know, because not a lot of professionals talk about that, at least to my knowledge, not a lot of professionals are giving advice on what to ask, you know, who to see. So if someone is dealing with something, some type of pain, uh, let's say because we're in the chiropractic world, they want to go to a chiropractor. You know, how should they approach that first session? Should they ask certain questions? Should they just listen? What's a good route to go? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think in today's age, like for any doctor across any discipline, the market, the market is extremely saturated, but everybody has some website or some Instagram, like go to someone who you think is going to think outside the box for you, you know, call, call and ask their front desk. Like, does the doctor talk about lifestyle modifications? Because that, that's what where it all really comes. You know, you always should be asking yourself, what can I do naturally to help you, doctor? What what are my what what can I do naturally in this situation to advance the effects that you're trying to create for me? And the response you're trying to get from my body, what can I change about my day-to-day that's going to make me more resilient? That should be your mindset going to any doctor for any reason, whether it's your dentist, your chiropractor, or for a general surgery, right? So calling and making sure that, and just making sure that your doctor is somebody who covers that kind of thing is very important because a a lot do not. Go to your urgent care, probably not going to happen. No way. No way. Those urgent cares are traps. I'm telling you. But you know, people. There's limited options today. Every doctor's office, every primary care office, it's impossible to get in. It's it's so packed and booked for months and weeks out. It's nuts. It really yeah. is nuts. Yeah. Um, going to the talking about just the chiropractic in general, the fact that we're talking about patients coming in. Um, what are some? And you talked about lifestyle modifications. I want to know what have you done that has amplified your life in terms of lifestyle modifications, and what are some of the key lifestyle modifications you recommend to patients. Oh, yeah, brother. I learned this lesson within a month of being in practice. Bring it on, baby. What was it? Oh, within a month of being in practice, my back hurt. My neck hurt. I had worse problems than people who were coming in to see me. Isn't that wild? Dude. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, you have have to step back and say, okay, what am I lacking on that is letting that my body is not resilient enough to handle this job? Because my my boss, my head clinician, he's 72. He's been doing this for 45 years. I love that. What's he What's he doing that he can do this every day, right? That's outside just becoming more efficient because obviously that was my thing too, right? You want to do – you just start out. You want to do everything for everybody in one session. So learn – outside of like the learning mistakes, what can I do? What can I change about my life? that is not conducive to being effective in the clinic. It's the four pillars, right? What am I drinking enough water? Am I hydrating my tissues? 
Am I taking in enough of the minerals and electrolytes to for my body to be able to heal? What's my food quality and quantity like? Am I eating nearly enough of the good stuff? What's my sleep quality like? Am I sleeping well at all? No, the answer was no. Am I getting the right kind of exercise for what my daily requirement is? If the answer is no to any of those questions, you just took a pillar out of a four-legged structure. How can that structure stand? It's going to break down. It's going to break right down, isn't it? Even if the three are strong as an ox, that fourth is, is going to be your, your weak link. It's so funny you say that because um, I have uh, – I'm actually currently writing a small book about it. It's called The, the Seven Pillars of Health uh, – The Seven W's of Health. And uh, it's um, work because I believe everybody needs to work. They need a purpose in life, right? So it's work, yeah. walk, weight train, water, watch what you put in your damn mouth, wake up and wind down around the same time, and work hard at all those six things. Uh, so it's just funny that um, – you know, most of the stuff you said started with the letter W because it was like water, workout, wake up, you know, um, it, but it's true. So how did you, how long did it take you to, to figure out like, wow, I'm, I'm not focusing on me at all. Like how long did that take you? Until my first set of back pain wouldn't go away. How bad you know? was it like crippling back pain or was it just aching? I mean, it was just like this nagging pain that was affecting like my every day, you know? And so I had to take a real hard look at like how I'm taking care of my body and what I can really do. So I started improving my food quality. I, I We made, for many reasons, a switch over to like whole food, organic food. Love it. Well-raised meat. Love it. Right? Rich liquids. You know, I threw alcohol out of my life for so many reasons. Yeah. And compound lifting was doing nothing for me that's a big one for some people as well yeah so i switched over to you know kettlebell and yoga and swimming and i quickly i saw a dramatic change in in my body in the tone of my body and the way i carried myself and the my resiliency to the everyday stress that i was putting myself under you know so then i'm thinking to myself well, if I need this because I'm in pain, don't you think somebody who's been neglecting this for decades, decades, the same conversation, decades, people have been neglecting that for decades. And it is wild, though, how fast they make a rebound when they start implementing some of the basic stuff you just said. So what's some of the stuff that you have recommended or are starting to recommend to patients um, to dabble in? In order to relieve that, because they come into you for back pain and stuff, and they're expecting yeah. that one adjustment is going to do the work. Now that, like, of course, you can talk upon what that does. So, you know, what does the adjustment do? But besides that, what are you recommending to people, and how fast are people seeing good changes? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, in the beginning, when I found out, when when I really came to this conclusion for myself, I wanted to give everybody the full lowdown right away. Unload, unload my knowledge bank about how many grams of protein per ounce of your body weight you need to be getting everything. Like, slow down. Slow down, brother. I love it, though. I freaking love it. Right? Meet people where they're at. Yep. I will explain these these pillars of health 
I will basically say which one, and I'll talk about them. I'll talk about how they affect the, your day to day in each individual way. But I'm going to ask you if you had to pick one of these things to start focusing on this week, what'll it be? So you decide. I'm going to let you decide, and then I'm going to show you how to implement this thing starting today. So if it's, you know, eat better quality, eat better quantity, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about portion size. We're going to talk about choosing better quality foods. We're going to, you know, but I'm going to meet you where you're at. If you're someone who's starving and you want it all, we'll have the whole conversation right now. But I'm going to give you enough to make an educated decision about which one calls to you the most so that you can begin. Because it's really a series of small steps over giant ones. That's going to get you to where you want to go smoothly. I couldn't agree more. And that's the same approach I take with my clients as well. What's the one thing we can master in this next cycle of your life? And then we'll build on that. Um, I'm interested to know. Uh, just because we were t- you were talking about whole foods and you changed your diet recently. Um, before yeah. we hopped on, you were talking about you lost some weight. Um, so, you know, what type of diet were you eating? Uh, and now what type of diet are you eating now? Because people are definitely interested in that. You know, you are the doctor yeah. of chiropractic, so they do expect some level of, you know, just health, which you are. You are walking that. Um, how has that changed? You know, because I've been on whole food diet now for six, seven years um, really haven't touched any of the junk stuff. So what did you notice when you made this? Mm-hmm. What were you eating? What are you eating now? And uh, right. how did you Yeah. So, you know, I think the biggest change I made over the last year was eating a balanced diet. All my fruits and veggies, they're all on the table. Nothing's off the table. Eating organic, grass-fed, grass-finished animal products. Minimizing to the best I can uh, processed foods and the and liquor, right? All those things have pretty much been in check for me for the greater part of the last year and a half. And I was doing really good, but I was, I mean, I, I was still eating a good quantity of food and I maintained my body weight at about 225. Now, Sam, next to me, I have a picture of my family and I'm going to put my hand on it because what I'm going to say right now, I swear that this is the truth. Okay. I lost a tremendous amount of weight after I did this retreat. So the only um, the only change between what I was eating and at at 225 pounds versus what I'm doing now and I'm at 195 is that I had a major energetic sh- shift within myself. I let go of so much that was on me that my body was free to start healing. I left fight or flight mode and I settled in my parasympathetic where the body focuses on healing. Huge. Everything. So that is the, that is the major change that I made recently that let me lose the weight. And I made no other change to my incredible diet had me at a plateau. I had a, we had, we have an amazing style of eating our morning routine. It's all on point. Nothing changed. Do you think that um, possibly uh, because you were still stuck in that, you know, stressed out such like state of being, you were still overeating on the healthy food and that's why, because the calories were just increased and now you just feel 
you're slowing down, you feel your body's in more rest and digest state. So you're eating less than you were. You don't feel yourself reaching anymore. Is that like you would agree? Yeah, absolutely. I and I I think I decreased what I eat overall by about two to three hundred calories. That fluctuates day to day. Is that an, is is that on its own enough to drop as much weight as I dropped over time over this? I've only, I've I've been out for a little over a month now, and I dropped that weight in that time. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's enough to lose the amount of weight that I was carrying. No, no. Just by that that small caloric deficit. Yeah, right. My big changes, I eat two eggs instead of three in the morning. Uh, I, my my snacks and lunch are the same. Uh, for dinner, when we do like a roasted chicken breast, I, maybe I eat three quarters of the chicken breast instead of the full chicken breast. Do you think – I like diving deep on this stuff because this is interesting. Yeah. I think listeners as well too. Um, yeah. Because like you could – when we'll talk about this too – um, getting into that state at home by yourself, you know, getting into entering into some of that more bioenergetic stuff. Um, do you think allowing yourself to release some of that nervous energy, that anxious energy um, allowed you to feel lighter? So now you're moving around more. You are, you know, pursuing more at work. You're not sitting down as much. You are up and walking around or you feel oh, yeah. workouts are better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My energy feels amazing i feel motivated and excited to do what it is that i have to do and get to do my overall outlook i don't carry around the weight that i'd normally carry in my day-to-day -day, usually you'd go through something and say sam let me carry that for you you know emotionally joe let me carry that for you let me carry that for you that weight's gone my body is focused 100% on healing me. In turn, I will heal you. But my fo my my focus, my energy is on me and my system's energy and focus is on me. That's a wild concept. It really yeah. is. I'm I'm like I I love getting deep with this cuz um it's my been my whole career, you know, is health fitness, you know, weight loss. Yeah. Um yeah. in that retreat my guess is you did a substantial amount of breathing. Substantial. Oh, yeah. So what's the tactic um, for someone who wants to dip their toes into this, what you're talking about, this energetic release? Can they do some stuff at home? Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to understand why breathing works so well. Dive in, brother. Give them a quick break. Right. Yeah. So you breathe. Your body, your body in response will either get nervous or get relaxed. That's how the brain works, right? We breathe in a certain pattern that that represents the sympathetic nervous system, the running from the lion. Or we breathe in a certain way that our body reflects relaxation and healing and safety. So you can manipulate the rhythm of breath to bring your body and yourself into that state of fight or flight or rest and digest. The brain doesn't speak English. I love saying that. It's great. So the brain needs to speak rhythm of breath. And a fighter manipulates this before his fight so that he doesn't have an adrenaline dump. He gets himself easy into that sympathetic drive that is sustainable, right? And when you're running and when you're 
trying to go to bed at night, you want to take the opposite. You want to take that uh, relaxation, settle the mind, become clear, all of that kind of stuff, right? So some really beautiful techniques manipulate that exact system. I like giving people what I call a body scan to do during their day. This is an hourly check-in where you can just see where you are in terms of physical tension and respiration. So what I recommend people do, and you and I can practice this together for a moment, you go somewhere in your office or in, or wherever you can be alone for just a moment, and this could take 20 seconds. It's not a big chunk of your, of your hour. Put your back against the wall or in the back of your chair in this situation. Close your eyes. Take your hands and just run them into your neck. And let your fingers navigate the back of your neck till you fear, feel a sore spot. It could be in your jaw. It could be around the back of your neck. You find your spot. And when you're there, just place your fingers and hands over that spot. Don't massage it. Don't rub it. Don't give yourself an acupressure point. Just be there with yourself. And relax your elbows. Relax your shoulders. You're going to take a nice deep inhale and a cleansing breath out. Audibly, I'll do it with you. Inhale and out. And again, inhale. And say to yourself, body, I feel you. I hear you. I'm with you. I'm present. And truly believe it. Feel the tension in your neck and jaw melt away. And that's the hourly self-scan. For anybody who's not watching, well, they, they'll be listening to this. I just did it with Chris, and um, you guys have to try it. I did it with Chris <laughs> live. You guys got to try it because that will help for sure. Yeah. That will absolutely help for sure. Um, and if you work in an office and you don't want to – be looked at when you're doing it go to the bathroom yeah you know we don't realize during our day how much we're clenching our jaws shrugging our shoulders trying to get through the day and we're using our body as a shield to protect us while we do our thing so just giving yourself the opportunity throughout your day to continually check in with yourself well, there's no bigger gift you can give to yourself to catch up with yourself constantly and know where you're holding Oh, I think it's great. And it's so simple. Like he said, like he just did three quick breaths. Um, you can absolutely notice yourself holding on to tension for sure. And I think people could take that before bed. Like you said, just when you're like, oh, take a second, like uh, before bed, do you do any breath work before bed? Yeah, there's actually a two, a two part um, breathing. I like to talk about uh, one's for general relaxation and then it's expanded for sleep time. So it's very simple again. In through your nose for two seconds, as deeply as you can go, and then out for another four seconds. One, two, three, four, right? Using your belly, using your diaphragm. Amazing. Now in sleep, we use a double expanded breath on this. So instead of two, four, it's four seconds in, seven second hold, eight seconds out. Now, what's interesting about this breath is it is 
almost identical to the breath you have when you're in deep deep sleep. Oh, that's interesting. So you're manipulating to get ready to sleep this part of your brain, your sleep cycle to bring yourself into the place where you're ready to pass out. And can you and say one more time for the people? How long is each yeah. one? So the real general relaxation breath is two seconds in, four seconds out. Okay. The before sleep breath is four seconds in, a seven second hold, and eight second out. I'm going to do that tonight for sure. Yeah. And what you'll notice is that this is a tool, right? So the, the more you practice with the tool, the better at it you get. So the first night you're, you know, you're counting to yourself and eventually it works, but you're hoping it works. You're thinking, is it going to work? By night two and three, you're like, oh, I can't wait to do this. I know it's going to work. And boom, out like a light, beautiful sleep. And then if you're the kind of person who wakes up throughout your night, you just remind yourself to go back to it. You could do it at four in the morning. Again, go back into it. Four, seven, eight. It's like counting sheep, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, another, the other breath, it's called an anxiety relief or an anxiety rescue. And I actually got this from Dr. Uberman, Andrew Uberman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a very interesting cat. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I give this to a lot of patients and I use this as well. And it works beautifully. This is a long inhale followed by a sharp inhale. So. Yeah. You've heard this, this one before? Oh, yeah. 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 So this this is an amazing breath. A long inhale. Followed by you're trying to suck the rest of your straw at the end. Real hard. And you can just feel your brain get saturated by the oxygen when you do this. Two or three of those breaths, and you feel your anxiety dissipate. Yeah, he's got some interesting stuff with um, exercise and cold therapy. Uh, like yeah. in the intra-workout cold therapy, which is interesting because no one really touched upon that. Um, but uh, also, so aside from the breathing, so those people listening are definitely going to take those tactics for sure. Um mm -hmm. What else do you recommend for someone who's who's kind of got some aches and pains, feeling emotionally overwhelmed, uh, stressed out, daily grind, um, and, and and want just you know to to start to build something? Uh, what have you noticed in your own practice? I'm sorry, I don't know if you can hear the lawnmower outside. Can you? Oh, thank God! Uh, hopefully, it's not picking up on the mic. Um, what could you recommend, or what do you recommend, like people in your own practice? Like, what should they look to first? You know, as a chiropractor, you know, as a personal trainer, I have my own opinions and stuff. But I want to know, like, from you, like, what is, what should somebody look to first to start that avalanche of, of making some change? Right. We, we touched on this a little bit before. And I think as a patient going to see a doctor or, or a trainer for their first time, the first thought and question out of your mouth needs to be, what can I personally do? Before I hear about what, the doctor wants to do or what the trainer wants to do what can i do on my own that's natural and doesn't require any medicine of any kind first any good doctor will start with those things because yeah. it's only going to help me as well help you right if you're doing the right thing at home whatever i want to do is going to help 10 times more same thing with any medicine you take or any supplement you take. What you do naturally is going to become a great helper to all of your other efforts in life. If you're somebody who knows that what you're going through physically 
is in part coming from stress in some way, I encourage you to have an appetite to understanding where that stress is coming from and what it is. Because stress is just your body reacting to what you're neglecting. So learn, are you, is shame there in your body? Is fear there in your body? Is guilt there in your body? Is sadness in there in your body? Is lust in there in your body? That's giving, that's putting a physical toll on you. Is it coming from work? Well, why is it coming from work? Oh, I'm afraid if my boss says this or I don't do this. Exactly. Fear. Where is your fear coming from? Well, if I don't do this, then, you know, I won't have enough resources to take care of my family. So then it's inadequacy. You don't think you're going to be enough or that you can't be enough. If you can just allow these things to be true for yourself, that's that's 99% of the fight right there is just being willing to accept what it is that you're feeling and knowing that you can be stronger from it, not weaker by recognizing. That's where we start. Allow yourself to truly be witnessed and for what is lacking in your life to be brought to the surface so that it could be addressed and talked about. I love that. And uh, also you said, you know, uh, what can you do for yourself? And what I actually tell clients is, is pretty much the same thing, but it's also, I ask, what are you willing to do right now? And uh, I think it's huge because the expectation for most people is they have to do everything. And I'm like, well, you can't do everything. One, because you don't have the skills yet. And two, because no one can do everything, right? So what are you willing to do right now? And it could be the simplest thing. I'm like, let's master it. Let's build on it. And let's go from there. And I actually think that um, that um, what we do as, well, you know, you're a chiropractor, so I'm a physical fitness guy. But um, I think that we do truly release a lot of what we were talking about earlier, that emotional stress just from a visit to us because we're like reigniting that spark in people's heads. Like this is what you said you're willing to do. And uh, we're noticing some change. And I think that's something that most people are missing is the accountability to keep going. Right. Like, what are you willing to do? Okay. Now let's keep on it. And as a professional um, who it's different because we don't always have the accountability aspect because we are the professional so we're working and so we get stuck with oh i'm the professional and you know i don't need a coach so some people might think that um have you found yourself in that area before where you're the one who doesn't have the coach the accountability yeah man and i think the, the most beautiful thing is that you can surround yourself outside of your clinic outside of your gym by people who are going to support your mission by being the mission themselves. So this can be for those who of us who are fortunate enough to have this in a romantic partner. I am. And I thank the universe every day for her because she lives this life herself. And so she, she's my accountability buddy, right? Friends like you, other friends that I have in my space, we keep each other accountable as well by being being the work incarnate by being the work that we aspire to achieve 
looking at people like you, looking at other friends I've been fortunate enough to acquire in my life so far that are an embodiment of the discipline that I want to have for myself, they keep me going and accountable with their actions, their love, their conversation, their willingness to see me for who I am and hear me and hold me and all and witness who what I am. You must find your community in this life. People who are going to push you and be there for you in true ways. You think that holds some people back? The fear of accountability, like the fear of being truthful with other people. Um, do you have anything to speak on that? Like, do you think that holds people back? Yeah. Like fear of being judged? Yeah. Um, Even by professional, like by your coworkers and stuff? Yes, most definitely. And this can be kind of sad because the more you start doing this work, the less you start having in common with people who used to be in your life. Facts, dude. Yeah. Old friends. Can you hear me okay, Sam? Yes. Old friends, co-workers, right? People who miss the old version of you that used to make bad decisions for themselves so that you can go out and have a good time or because you didn't cut against the grain. So, yeah, we see, unfortunately, people who we really love, old friends, getting caught up in going out to the bar every weekend and living for nothing but that and taking the job that they, they really hate and makes them miserable because that's what's most comfortable right now. And we're in the situation, you and I, where we see this play out into people's 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah, even later. I even know. later, right? Even later in life. And unfortunately, you know, you get into your 80s and you live a life like this and it's, you know, late for a lot of people to make change. But you, you see your 25-year-old friend, your 30-year-old friend on track to be that really miserable 75-year-old. And it's it's heartbreaking. But it's it's grief that we don't expect to have to learn how to manage to separate ourselves from those people. That's a big – it's hard, you know. Um, it's actually hard breaking those relationships, you know. And uh, I think once we were talking about a little bit earlier, becoming a little bit more selfish in a positive way, uh, I think sometimes like if your mission is to help more people or to live a certain life, unfortunately, you're going to have to shed those relationships yeah. if they're negative to you. But it's kind of like shedding – it's kind of a similar experience to shedding your own egos, like shedding old versions of yourself. And – because this is the Strong Gents podcast and we're all about building strong men, um, I know you're also interested in the synergy between the masculine and the feminine. And um, I do believe that if you want to be the strongest man you can be, it's not about being the most brute. It's not about being the most aggressive. It's not about being the most alpha. And um, you have some really awesome perspectives on this. And I kind of want to close out this conversation, take the next 10, 20 minutes and um, talk about your idea of what it means to become the strongest man that you want to be and you think we need in the world. Yeah. I think going into my retreat, if I could speak on that a little bit, for sure. Yeah. 
one of my biggest intentions because I'm so ready to take these next steps to like become a husband. Amazing. You know? Congratulations. And, thank you, bro. And like, I'm so excited to one day become a father. I love that too. Dude. Congratulations. You know what I'm saying? And like these, these feelings, like they, oh man, they light me up inside because like, I think that's the ultimate expression of like our, our reason. But with that comes so much responsibility because I feel like as men, we need to understand how to truly be there for our sons and for our daughters. And I think, and I feel in my heart what that means is to become the essence of the polarity of what it means to be a human being, to be able to nurture and protect, to give and to receive, to be courageous, but be sensitive, to give this as an image to your daughter about what a real man looks like and what one day she'll select as a partner. And to your son, what he's going to be, what he'll grow into. What a gift. What a gift to see his father embody like the full, the full power of a human being, regardless if you're a man, the mother or the father. You know, absolutely. That's power. That is true power. And that will lead us into so into the exact courageous decision making that a man is responsible for. Do you think it comes from the heart? Do you think, because um, I know I struggled with this in your teens and, and early twenties, you know, before you graduated school and stuff, did you struggle with that alpha, like um, big, you know, being impressive and that 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 ego and and what has helped you, you know, tank? Because I'm gonna be honest, me and you, anytime we've ever had an interaction, are always like, at least from my perspective, you were always the nicest, sweetest dude. You know what I mean? Like me and you, I feel like me and you are always smiling. What's up? We yeah. always give each other a hug. You know what I'm saying? Like even yeah. if I didn't see you for three years, it was like fucking Chris Michelle. What's up, bro? Um, yeah. But even though I was that on the outside to some people, I was also. To my ego, my alpha ego was too high. Um, and I had some own, my own personal experiences, which I've shared a bunch that have reset that. And that death of that ego at times is hard. What was something that helped you tone it down? Because you are a very steady man in, in terms of your temperament, man. Every time I talk to you. Yeah. You know, I think ultimately it comes, it's come down to because, right, I, I definitely have this positive magnetism. And that's awarded me being able to interact and for good, really good people to be to come into my life. And I've squandered some of those relationships. I've nurtured many, but I've also squandered some. Because I wasn't ready to receive those people in the times that I received them. So it's being in this part of my life where I have the partner that I want. I have the friends that I want. I have the career and the path forward that I couldn't possibly have imagined for myself. How do I not squander? Well, it's this work. It's understanding where you've gone wrong in the past, but not letting it define you. Only your future actions are going to define you. What you, what you do, 
And that's what I'm living by. I look at, I look at Marissa, you know, and I see a whole life with her that I want. And I see, I literally have seen my children with her that I, that I want. And it's a, it's a vision that I will let nothing stand in between me and that. And so if it's taking even, a even you, if it's taking a shovel and digging to the depths of who I am to uncover the weight there, to rip that out so that the heart that I have underneath that has magnetized myself to all these beautiful people and experiences in my life can truly flourish. That's what I'm going to do. And I don't care how painful it is because nothing is more painful than disappointing somebody you truly love by squandering their love. That, that and squandering that, your potential. Bronx Tale reference. Bronx, Bronx Tale is fantastic. Fantastic. That's <laughs> powerful, though, man. That's powerful. You've definitely thought about that stuff for a while. I can tell by the passion in, in your voice, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious as to, like, um, going forward, you know, what are your plans on continuing this work? Mm -hmm. And for anybody listening, you know, what do you recommend they do um, or how can they reach you to, to start learning more about this stuff? Yeah. Um, right now, because of my contract, I'm not currently offering like this emotional release work uh, professionally. You know, if circumstances present, really present themselves, I can volunteer that. And I would be glad to because I, I do want to keep practicing that thing. Um, but eventually I will move closer to home, which is like the Jersey area. And I want to do my own thing. I want to open a clinic where I can do this work with chiropractic and, and truly make it, you know, a synergistic approach to how I view healthcare and where healthcare should be. Um, in terms of how I'm going to practice this work right now, it's just consistency. It's not about finding, it's not always about finding the next new shiny thing. Sometimes it's about taking the thing that you've learned that's really beautiful and practicing it with consistency, making it you, embodying the work. And that's the phase I'm at right now. And I'm, I'm taking with a lot of gratitude the time that I have between where I am currently and where I want my dream to go. I'm taking that time in between to become an embodiment of my work. It takes right now, yeah, it takes time. It takes time. Um, you gotta let things. You got you gotta put pressure. Anybody listening to this, a good good piece of advice for you is, um, like you have to apply apply pressure. Um, but if you apply too much pressure too fast, it's gonna shatter, right? Yeah. So uh, that's how I've had to pull myself back sometimes in my own career, my own life is by. Um, I have a lot of goals. I'm a very goal oriented human being. Uh, I am doing my best when I have goals, but if I push too hard. I always fuck something up, right? It always happens. So you're right. The consistent effort is what I always tell people. Keep it simple. Boring is better. And I I, I think that's fantastic. Um, where can people reach you, though? Because although you can't see some people uh, in person, um, you could for sure. I mean, I don't know what your contract says and stuff, but 
offer some online virtual coaching to some people if that's a possibility. And anybody listening to this, Chris is the freaking man. And uh, <laughs> where, where could they reach you? Where could they? Uh, yeah. At the very least, I'm open to having conversations and giving book recommendations, right? So you can always find me at C. Rochella at on Instagram, right? And C. Rochella1 at Gmail on Gmail. Yeah. Uh, spell that out for some people listening. Yeah. It's C-R-A-S-C-H-E-L-L-A-1 at Gmail.com. Boom. Chris, anything else that you want to add to this, man? This was great. No, I'm just so blessed to be on, man, and have you and I have this conversation, and my cup feels full right now. So you know it was a beautiful conversation. It was, man. I wanted to go. I just – I wish I can go longer. I can't because I got an appointment at 645. But we got to do this again like we do. We have to Yeah, yeah man. I hope this is a series of many. Let's do it. Yeah, we really should. Um, You're off on Monday. So Monday is at, at 5 p.m. That's going to be our jam. That's right, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, every for everybody listening, that is concluding this episode. If you haven't, please leave a five star review. I'm trying to grow this podcast to reach as many men as possible, and I need your help. It takes a tribe, gentlemen. And when you start building your tribe, you run into people like Chris, who are a blessing, and um, super happy to have him on. Don't forget, gentlemen. The motto here is train your life to change your life, because I truly believe we can train small aspects of our lives every single day to see a positive result in the future. Get strong and stay strong. Peace.